Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm very excited for this week's very special Super Bowl edition of F This Movie. Uh, I am joined for a conversation of any given Sunday by the all-stars, Adam Risky. <laughs> Go to the Buick. I'll throw it to you. <laughs> and Rob DiCristino. This podcast is a game of inches, Patrick. This just like cock. <laughs> this is very <laughs> exciting that I have both of the I have the reserved seating crew. We are going all Pacino this yes, episode. Yes, you really are. Yeah. Is that what inspired the Any Given Sunday? No, I think we just kind of always were talking about yeah. it, and then like once we compounded it with. The Al Pacino, you know, right? retrospective. It only made Plus sense. The Super Bowl. It's kind Plus of a perfect storm. Yeah, it really is. XFL came back. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Which, Which you is, took credit for. Yeah, yeah. So like with <laughs> Fast and Furious and then the Hobbs release. Yeah. Once we percolated on the Any Given Sunday show, it was in the air because Alex Dodson <laughs> was just like, "Can you guys please do yeah, an Any Given Sunday?" That was show? amazing. That came out of nowhere, yeah. out of thin air, yeah. and then. The XFL's back, and mm-hmm. he hate me jerseys were flying <laughs> off the eBay. <laughs> Did um, you guys watch the XFL? No, on? not once oh. ever. I watched the premiere night. Okay, um, it was my freshman year. Everybody on my dorm floor. Nights are great enough for football. It was Saturday night. Ah, uh, for crying out loud! It was like Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> um, and then uh. We all gathered in one room and watched the game, and we came to the. We were hyped for like the first hour, and then we came to the slow realization where we're like, "Is it X? Because this is an extra hour. This game, like, why is this game four hours and what, it's poorly played? What were the differences? I don't even remember the rule differences were, okay. but yeah, I just remembered like the rate of play was very slow wasn't and it the supposed quality to be faster was, really was the whole thing I like think it was just this supposed isn't your to parents be... football you pussies yeah it was supposed to be basically like in any given sunday when the dude's eyeball fell out we we're gonna get to that yeah <laughs> okay I, I i did i did google the differences if you're interested okay, okay thank you of the xfl and yeah. the nfl okay all right so the opening coin toss is replaced with a scramble where one player from each team <laughs> races to take possession of the ball <laughs> Did you just make that up? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Like also, gets everyone a, gets a steel chair. Like somebody, somebody had a conference call to come up with that. <laughs> they're like, good uh, job, Butch. Coin tosses are for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw pogs. <laughs> Slightly more liberal rules about the motion at snap. Only one player could be in motion, but he could be moving forward as long as he was outside the tackles. I don't know what any of that means. My eyes glazed over. Stupid libs. <laughs> as soon as you said slightly more liberal. Yeah. Ugh. No, po- no point after the touchdown kick. Instead, teams ran a play from the two for a point. Later, they experimented with letting the team... Al- this is boring. Rob, just stop. The- I was going to say, just stop. This is what done. is the appeal? Like, who is like, oh, finally, no more running a point after the touchdown kick. Now yeah. I can run a play from the two. <laughs> I know that. No more NFL. I'm into the XFL where they run a play from the two. When I heard Vince Van say with this new XFL, it's going to be... Um, no kneeling. Then I was just like, "Oh, I know why this is going. <laughs> yeah. This is happening." Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. yeah. Anyway, real quick before we we're going to talk about what we've seen lately, uh, and then talk about any given Sunday. But are either of you like big football fans? I've become one. 
because uh, in the past couple of years, because I play fantasy football through okay. work, and I you might want to introduce me for the rest of the show as ESPN Fantasy Football League champion. Oh, wow. I'm risky because okay. I won uh, my league this year. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, well, thanks. What's the what's the pot? Uh, I won $240. Nice. Yeah. And then my director at work was just like, yeah, you guys could you could take us all out to lunch now. I'm like, that's no. not how winnings work. <laughs> I'm like, you should take me out to lunch. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so much Egg Harbor. <laughs> all right. So you know something about football, Rob. What about you? Not really too much. No. I mean, it's 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 hard to be in Philadelphia with the Eagles. And obviously this week. is. Oh, big congratulations. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm much more of a, of a baseball guy. So. OK. Um, but I'm surrounded by a lot of football fans in my family and stuff. So I, I have I I inherit some of that information. I ingest okay. some of it through cultural osmosis. But no, not a huge football guy. I have a general sense of the game, but I was watching the movie and like wanting to comment on certain things in terms of how they reflect reality. And then I was like, well, I have no idea. I can can help you out. Ask those questions. All right. All right. We'll see how far we can go. I'm no expert, but I'm pretty good. Yeah. League Um, champion. Do you immediately get your face on the side of a bus and a music video after winning uh, two games? um, One thing... Yes, maybe. In the NFL... Yeah, in the NFL... In two weeks? Yes. In the NFL... Things happen at a very over-the-top, accelerated rate. You're thinking of the XFL. (laughs) That's even more so. They run plays from the two. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) So, no. Any given Saturday night. Let me just frame it for you this way. Um, One time, I went to Bears minicamp because my dad wanted to go in Bourbon A. Where, like, the Bears kids play? (laughs) I wish it would actually be better. Um, No, so I went to Bears minicamp before the season started and stuff, and there are benches full of uh, out-of-breath men who watch football players stretching and just comment to each other like did you see lance briggs bend down he's yeah. gonna be good this year it's like stuff like that or sure. if like you see like if you have a shiny new quarterback and he completes a pass then all of a sudden he's just like the greatest thing ever so there is like a very over the top overreaction to everything sure amongst football fan culture i think okay yeah so that doesn't surprise me it's actually one of the things the details i think they get right is that if you have a shiny new quarterback and you're coming off of three losses it doesn't matter that he won championships for you in years past you're into the new thing now that i'm on board for it's it's the way that uh apparently he has been embraced nationally <laughs> as a superstar. That happens sometimes, though. Like there's within a, two games, though. That's the thing. There's like, a guy named Jimmy Garoppolo. This past season, he's from he's from Arlington Heights. He plays okay. the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He was the backup quarterback for Tom Brady for years. Never, hardly ever played. And then he gets traded to San Francisco, has like two good games, and then everybody's just like, he's Jimmy GQ. <laughs> like, I mean, that happens. I, I've yeah. seen it happen where yeah. fans, even Tim Tebow, like everybody freaked out because, yeah. you know, uh, but you just, you don't get a stone cold after winning two games is all I'm saying. You don't get a, you don't get a Shaq Fu. You don't get a One Kazam. of my favorite. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things that's happened around here in light of the Eagles is um, we had our, our starting quarterback for the whole season uh, got injured very late in the season. So his replacement has been our quarterback, Nick Foles. And uh, the billboards around Philadelphia have embraced the St. Nick 
idea. <laughs> oh so there's all these plays on Saint it. Nick, and Saint Nick always delivers. It's all over the city right now. I love it. Well, anyway, we'll yeah. talk about any given mm-hmm. Sunday in a little bit. First, uh, Rob, have you seen anything good lately? Uh, I think so. Yeah, catching up uh, via the Red Box, um, my beloved Red Box. Yeah. On, um, you should just move uh, one of those into your house. <laughs> <laughs> There are like three within walking distance, so <laughs> uh, I finally caught up with it, um, which I liked quite a bit. Uh, I liked it. I think I liked it more as just a movie. I think Patrick, you said something like this, like a movie to live in, a world that you want to live in, than necessarily as a, a movie. Yeah. Um, but I think all the performances are really great, and uh, for the most part, and it's very seamless and engrossing. It's one of those movies that I was, I actually almost kept it for another night because I wanted to watch it again, but. Mm-hmm. Um, had other red boxing duties, but uh, no, I really liked it a lot. I think it's I haven't seen the 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 um, the miniseries in in a really long time, so I haven't been able to compare it. But uh, I'm late on it, but I liked it a lot. Good. If you had to um, fantasy cast a new Pennywise uh, using only performers from any given Sunday, who would you mm, choose? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would go Anne Margaret, <laughs> John C. McGinley. <laughs> Oh, there's so much we have to talk about in this movie. <laughs> it's that kind of movie, I yeah. guess. Um, all right, cool. It. What else? Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Uh, totally, totally unnecessary. But uh, as you guys said in your podcast, it does not fuck around with the original, which makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, it's great to look at, greatly directed. Um, it's another one of those. I think all three of the movies are that I'm going to talk about are like worlds that I really liked living in. Um, Ford is... Harrison Ford is awake, which I think is good um, for the most part. I mean, you know, he's on like 70%. He's passable. Um, I liked that. One of the things, just the really important thing I wanted to talk about was the idea that thematically, like when you look at what the original Blade Runner was about, I liked that this movie was close enough to that to be like a relative, like the idea of Kay wanting to be special as a, you know, with Rucker Howard in the original sort of wanting more time and all that. I liked that the movie like really like cashed in on a lot of stuff from the original Blade Runner, but it was willing to do something different enough that it was like passable. Again, the whole movie is like, it's one of those things where you, you, you see it as something that could have gone so, so wrong, but it does so many things right that you just enjoy yourself watching it. So I liked it a lot. Cool. And then lastly, Adam, um, I have to uh, shout out Adam uh, for birth of the dragon. I watched this a couple weeks back. But <laughs> I, still I'll bring it it. I feel terrible. You should. I'm because um, I loved it. <laughs> you loved it? I really did, yeah. yeah. I, I really loved watching like, it. Um, are we talking top ten loved it? It might be like number ten oh or like honorable, honorable mention. <laughs> um, honorable, this... like, honorable like a sensei? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's... That's my favorite Florida Georgia line song, honorable like a sensei. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. It's it's weird that I was thinking about Blade Runner 2 when I was watching uh, – well, I've watched this beforehand, but when I was writing this up to talk about it. Um, it's another one of those movies that just like I want to live in the world, and it's a movie that's like this movie loves being a movie, and mm-hmm. we and we don't always see that. Like it's old-fashioned. It feels like a movie out of like 1997 or maybe even 2002 if we're stretching it, but – and it's, you know, whatever, whitewashing or nonsense or anything like that. It's not totally accurate to Bruce Lee's legend, but I, I – it's like a – it's just a it's just a good old fashioned movie, Patrick. You really have to watch it. I will. I it's really said, enjoyed like, it. It said on the end credits, like because I was having that like 
uneasiness about the whitewashing thing when I watched it the first time. But then on the end credits, it says, like, technical advisor, Wong Jack Man. I'm like, he was on board, so if he's on board, why can't I be on they board? Got, so they got one Asian on board, and you're like, yep, he speaks for everyone. Yeah, he's the Ben Carson. <laughs> <laughs> they check that box. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I, I really like Birth of I mean, it's, 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 just, it's just fun. It's just of fun the movie. three movies that you watched, was uh... that one your favorite? If you put all three in front of me and ask me to watch one right now, yeah. I, it might be. Yeah, it might, <laughs> yeah, it might be. Wow! All mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and Dun- all right, and Dunkirk is fine. It is fine. It's, it's fine. Academy Award nominated. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yep. I don't really want to talk about the Academy Awards, but I know I looked at the Best Director category, and I like Christopher Nolan just fine. But I felt like of the five nominated, he's the one who would bore me if he won but i'm on board with any of the other four i look at like if you couch it in a lifetime achievement nomination i'm better with it okay if that makes i mean that's kind of how i feel about paul thomas anderson i still haven't seen phantom thread but i'm Mm. like hey if he won a best director oscar i'm fine with it because Mm -hmm. sooner or later i feel like he should Mm -hmm. um so who knows okay that might be a good segue because oh i did see phantom thread okay and it's confuses me like most paul thomas anderson movies of late have okay Um, i don't know what to think of his movies anymore like i i like i can recognize that they're very well made and they're very well acted um but i think i can't think of another director who just completely changed in terms of point of view because i think that his first few movies are very kind of warm and affectionate sort of in ways for about damaged characters. And now I think he's very cynical. And um, I think the master is kind of like that in between, but since then, you don't um, think or like, there will be blood would be the in between in terms of cynicism. That's I just, a pretty bleak movie. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I got the order wrong. I mean, like I think there will be blood is really cynical. I think that like, Inherent Vice is very aloof, and I still haven't revisited that movie. I have such problems with it. And yeah. then, like Phantom Thread, like I for like the first hour, I was just like, "Oh, I'm kind of back on board with Paul Thomas Anderson. This is really nice." And then it's I don't know. There's just something about it that puts me off. It just seems like really kind of self amused, and I just want it to be kind of more sympathetic towards these people. But it's almost like he's just kind of having. It's like. He's deliberately writing dialogue that will get like hits on Slate. Like that's what it feels <laughs> like. Like these movies now. So I mean, I don't know. It was it was decent. It was fine. It's probably like somewhere in the middle of like the best picture movies for okay. me this okay. year. So I don't know. It was a movie pass movie. All right. Hey, it was all good. Not bad. Um, I like on I like on Twitter. I think you said something like, "I just saw Phantom Thread, and I don't know what Paul Thomas Anderson wants from me." Yeah, <laughs> I do. I think I, I and I like him so much. Like especially when he does the rounds, right. does interviews and stuff. I like him so much. Yeah. Like just in interviews and everything. And I just um, I don't know. I just can't get on his wavelength anymore. Sure. So I don't know. It's more just disappointing for me than like it being bad or anything it's very strange to me because at one point i i think he was like unquestionably my favorite working director yeah um and now he's had a movie out for a few weeks and i just haven't seen it you know like that's unfathomable for me to think of that like oh i haven't seen a new paul thomas anderson movie yet part of it is just not having time but then i haven't forced myself to make the time either which yeah i don't know what to think of that 
I don't know. Maybe it should be a fathom event. Perhaps. And then you can fathom it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'll leave. <laughs> Rob, it's just you and Patrick for the rest of the show. Um, I saw uh, Den of Thieves. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Gerard Butler. Yeah. Heat. This and is this movie seems like it should have this should have been the first ever straight to Redbox movie. Yeah, see that. it's actually like did a Redbox direct this movie? <laughs> <laughs> this movie is I like a sledgehammer to a Redbox. Yeah, because it's way better made than okay. a Redbox movie. Okay, it's like somebody just said. STX, give us money. We want to remake Heat, and they're like, "Here's forty million dollars. Don't embarrass us." Okay. And like, it's on a scene-to-scene basis, like really kind of well done. Okay. But the thing that's just crazy about it is, characters and individual scenes are just one-to-ones to Heat. So it's like an armored car robbery. Right. There's a a f- like a, a a shootout towards the end where they're chasing each other through like an area with containers and stuff. There's like the I'm not going back to prison thing that they've like told each other to establish this so that there's like some empathy there. There's um I don't know, but then like Den of Thieves's way of like being like we're not just a rip off of Heat is to like do a rip off of Bad Boys Two and then mm. just to do like a rip off of the Usual Suspects and stuff. So like. It's entertaining, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> so O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in it, which yeah. is a bonus. Yeah. And he's in a lot of it, so that's okay. good. All right. I like that. Um, so I was, I was okay with it. Okay. Um, I saw The Commuter, and it's The Commuter. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about okay. it. It's fine. Um, Paddington 2 is wonderful. Okay. I loved it. It's my favorite <laughs> movie so far that I've seen this year. Okay. Um, it's just super charming and like, I think I'm a total wuss in my old age because even Paddington 2 made me cry at one point. (laughs) It was just like, that's just nice. All right. And openly sobbing. Who voices Paddington? Uh, is it Andy Serkis? No, it's Ben Wishoff. Ben Wishoff. I want it to be Andy Serkis. Yeah. I just like Paddington as a character because he's just like, no, no. This could be nice. (laughs) That's like Paddington. He's just like, sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I and then I watched a few older things. So like I watched Orange County again. Weird choice. <laughs> it was on HBO, so I DVR. Less. It. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like back to weird. I was really excited for Orange County yeah. because I think was that his first movie after Zero Effect, and I was like, might have been this Jake Caston. Yeah. He is an exciting new voice. Yeah, and I don't dislike Orange County, but like I'd be hard pressed to really like Orange County. I I enjoyed it. I mean, like it's short and it is very short and enjoyable. Um, I thought that it was weird that so like he wants to go to Stanford and the whole thing is that like they screwed up his transcript with somebody who has a similar name. So like they think that he's not who he is. So he didn't get into Stanford. What a predicament! So, so it's like a wild night where he's driving to Stanford and all this. And then the day after. He ends up getting into Stanford because his dad makes a huge donation. This is another one of those movies where, like, you being rich kind of solves all your problems. Just like life. Yeah. Well, I guess. Just like any given Sunday. Um, So, like, it's true to life. Um, So, yeah. So, like, 
his dad is John Lithgow. So John Lithgow donates all this money to Stanford to rebuild the admissions building that burned down because Jack Black and Jane Addams had sex and burned it down. So um, you remember this? Sort of, <laughs> so, now that you're saying it. So then, um, then Colin Hanks, like a little shit, just oh. goes... Oh, I don't want to go to Stanford anymore. I'm like, your dad just donated yeah, money you to like, have to at this and then point. he's just like, no, I have everything that I need in Orange County, and I'm just gonna. And then I, and then you find out like that the, his short story is just all about people that he knows. So he's just leeching off of these people. <laughs> and like one thing, okay, I used to do like stand up and like things like that. Like one rule I had for myself was I was never going to use my friends and family in the material because it's not fair to them because okay. it's not right. their choice to be involved in this. Okay. So it's not me just being like, Oh, I'm a poet and <laughs> everything is art, including you who I'm using. <laughs> You're just informing my art. You don't have feelings. So that's like what it lands on. Okay. And I'm just like, Oh, you orange County. But then they play like the song California from the, to the yeah, OC. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, okay, I'm back on board. <laughs> So, yeah, I saw that. And then I watched Slamma Jamma twice. It's a uh, Christian dunking movie. Um, me and Mark on were supposed to see this. Um, it was in theaters for one week. Um, but then we were supposed to go on the Thursday, the week it opened, and it was all gone. And we ended up seeing Ghost in the Shell instead. Mm. So, um, Mark, we would have done so much better if we just took the day off work and went to early Jamma. Um, gotten lunch. AM Jamma? AM Jamma. So Slamma Jamma, I highly recommend. It is in the same league of <laughs> no the room. It. <laughs> it's in the same league of the room and all those movies. Okay, um, it's about a, a a guy with like a terrible afro who goes to jail because he was an accessory to a stick up and a mm. murder to the weirdest gun store ever, where it's just like an open set with a counter and there's machine guns behind the counter, mm -hmm. like on the wall. Mm -hmm. And then um, he gets out of jail and he's in these dunk contests that are like for insane amounts of money for local dunk contests. Like the like end $240? No, like a million dollars oh for like dunking. <laughs> um, and like everybody does the same two dunks and it's really weird. And like they've got weird details where it's like mama six, like put mama in the hospital. And then mama's in the hospital but it's like they put her in a room where there's no machines it's just a bed yeah so i'm just like that's not how hospitals work and then, like machine guns behind the bed <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i mean it's something i'll write about at some point i'm sure but it's uh highly... why did you watch it twice <laughs> because i had to show it to somebody <laughs> i was like you have to see slamma jamma it's director of photography is dean cundy which makes no sense no jose canseco's in it naturally um, michael irvin has several scenes. Um, there's a scene where Michael Irvin says, you're never going to make the, Oh, he goes, Michael Irvin is an agent who goes to this one local playground to recruit NBA talent, which mm -hmm. always happens. Right. And he says, you're, he says to one guy, he's like, you're never going to make the pros. You have just as little chance as that guy. And it's a guy who looks like he's about five foot one and he's trying to dunk. Spud Webb. Lower than Spud Webb, like shorter than Spud Webb. Um, and then he's just like, hey, watch this. And then he dunks. What? And then everybody's just like, oh. So you do have a chance. And then he goes, by the way, I'm 5'5". Five, five. And then he walks off. And he's wearing a jersey that's The Last Supper. Like, it's a, it's the picture of The Last Supper on the basketball jersey. Um, Do they so, say the words Slamma Jamma at any point in the movie? The name of the final dunking contest is Slamma Jamma. <laughs> um, 
and I <laughs> I was very confused. Um, <laughs> it's well worth watching. Apparently, yeah. Slam a jamma. Uh, what have you seen? What, <laughs> what have I seen? I feel bad. I haven't like been to a movie. Except for that screening of the Warriors I hosted, I haven't been yeah. to a movie in 2018. Wow! Uh, yeah, it's not great. No. It is not great. You didn't I'm see not... the Greatest Showman, the word of mouth sensation of the year. I am not. Do you know that? By the way, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle has now like outgrossed Spider-Man: Homecoming and something else. What's, like, fine with what that. did I tell you, Adam? Adam, what did I tell you? What did you when tell we me? Saw the Hitman, when we saw the Hitman's Bodyguard and we saw the trailer for Jumanji, I said that movie's going to make a billion dollars. Did we see it's the trailer be... for that? We did, yeah. I don't remember that. I, I mean, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> you were right. I did not <laughs> anticipate it being so successful. Yeah. I, maybe that was one of the 18 times I walked out of the Hitman's Bodyguard <laughs> while we were watching it. <laughs> I was like a four-year-old during that screening. I was just like, oh, I want to play arcade games. You came back with a Slurpee. You like texted me. You're like, where are you? I'm like, in Chicago. <laughs> I flew back. I walked to the last remaining video store and found a copy of Midnight Run because wouldn't that be better? Did you ever tell Patrick about the video store coffee shop that we went to that was like in the back of some guy's like... What? Storefront, yeah, it was I weird. It's dangerous. It was, it was in, yeah. No, it was in our reserved seating. I think we talked about it a little bit, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was interesting. Yeah, it was tight. It was a little coffee shop. But then it just so happened that in the back, like three film students had put their Blu-ray collection together and were renting out movies. Did, it was, you, yeah. did you guys rent anything? No, it oh. was weird. It was like the front was like Central Perk, and then you walk <laughs> through a hallway, and then there's like. Pe- gangsters playing cards yeah and then yeah. like people selling drugs and then in the it's back there's somebody's like right. you know video store <laughs> yeah. it was interesting it was all i think it was all organized by director too wasn't it yeah well, of course if they were film yeah. students <laughs> <laughs> here are my terrence malik's <laughs> um well i haven't lightly seen... touched the spines <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen anything uh great or really worth talking about i saw cactus flower for the first time have either of you ever seen cactus flower no it's a 1969 romantic comedy that's based on a play very obviously mm-hmm. walter Matthau and Gold, uh, goldie hawn maybe in her first movie she won an oscar for best supporting actress okay um she's like the young girl that he dates so he's like dane cook and she's like the 18 year old that dane cook is dating um <laughs> But the the real that's a that's a real thing by the way. Uh the uh the the best thing about the movie I thought was Ingrid Bergman plays a role and it's interesting to see her in a comedy, not that she's being particularly funny, but her performance is so good that like mm-hmm. she sells the stuff that's supposed to be just farce nonsense. Um it was fine. I mean, it felt like an old Neil Simon comedy. I, it's not a Neil Simon comedy, but it might as well be. Is Ingrid Bergman kind of looser in the 60s than she was as an actress in the 40s? Because the style in the 40s is more kind of stiff. But... She's not really. Okay. And that's the part that she's playing oh, is okay. sort of this sort of more uptight, um, gotcha. a, a bit of a spinster, but not exactly. Mm-hmm. Um 
I watched Trauma for the first time, which is one of the few remaining Dario Argento films I had never seen, uh, starring his daughter at 16, um, and uh, Brad Dourif is in it, Piper Laurie is in it, Frederick Forrest is in it. It is insane and um, not not great, but so entertaining from scene to scene. It is a different movie in every scene. Literally, the, the style, the genre, every single scene is a different movie, but it's always entertaining. I don't know that they add up necessarily, mm-hmm. but... Uh, so is it the 90s it came out? In 93. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I won't spoil one of the major plot points, except to say that, you know, I've been on this run. I talked about it a little bit in my mom and dad review, and I think I emailed you about it a little bit, that, like, every movie I've been watching has involved just something where I'm like, I don't want that in my head. I don't want to see it. I don't want to... Trauma, like, the whole movie, I'm like, I'm fine. There's people getting murdered, but whatever. And then where it lands is the most disturbing thing of all of the movies that I've been watching. So I can't escape whatever is in the air these days. And on that note... (laughs) No. Uh, And then the only other thing I'll talk about is Class of 1999, which is the sequel to Class of 1984. An awesome, awesome movie from Mark L. Lester, who I'm discovering is like one of my favorite directors. (laughs) Um, He's just awesome. And and I saw Class of 99 when it came out on, you know, VHS, but I haven't seen it since then. So going back to watch it now, uh, because Vestron just put it out as a Blu-ray... Um, it is in the way that like Blade Runner 2049 is like, Ooh, what if we did the same movie, but reverse it. So class of 1984 is like a normal high school. And then there's these students who are punks and you know, they have to be taken out. So class of 1999 is all of the students are punks. It's in the future. It's like kind of a wasteland. And the teachers are these killer robots who are like oh. disciplinarians and then murder students when they get out of line. So all the punk kids have to murder the teachers, one of whom is played by Pam Greer. Um, it's so entertaining. Like it just made me miss when movies like this had some budgets and like could have explosions mm-hmm. and lots of cool practical effects. And Mark Lester is just so good at handling this kind of junk it is right up my alley i had such a good time with it sounds good it was fun the lead performance is problematic because he's like jv steven dorf which yeah exactly (laughs) try to wrap your head around that (laughs) but uh there's a lot of other welcome faces in the movie joshua miller and uh uh, tracy lind and uh malcolm mcdowell a couple other people but it's i I thought it was super fun so if you've been on the fence about it check it out so if Steven Dorf stays at the Chateau Marmont, right. where does J.V. Steven Dorf stay? Oh, gosh. Howard Johnson's? It may, it may be like a Hojo. A Hojo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably Red Roof Inn. Is that a thing? <laughs> uh, Red Roof Inn Express. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he's all about the Express. It's like, <laughs> yeah, how can we make Red Roof Inn sound tackier <laughs> about Express? <laughs> It's like, how much is a night? It's like, you mean a half night? It's like, no, a night. We sped up time, dummy. (laughs) All right, so let's transition to Any Given Sunday from 1999, Oliver Stone's (laughs) opus on professional football. I would agree with that. This is the last Oliver Stone movie that I liked. Mm 
Um, and I will say, I don't know how you guys feel about this movie. I like this movie. Mm-hmm. I find it very watchable and mm-hmm. super entertaining. Yep. Watching it, watching it for this podcast, <laughs> I was more annoyed by it than I had ever been. Okay, you go first, Rob. Uh, uh, okay, uh, I... <laughs> you fumbled. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still reading about the XFL. No, um... <laughs> trying to wrap my head around these changes. <laughs> Did you know that returning teams must run kickoffs back out of the end zone? I thought, uh... I thought it was gonna be backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you hit me from my blind side, which is all sides. <laughs> <laughs> I read um, before I started watching the movie for the podcast, I was sort of doing some research because I was, I was telling Adam I haven't watched it since probably around the time it came out. And the first thing I read was that Oliver Stone took his crew to see uh, Saving Private Ryan before they started production on the movie. And it's all I could think about watching the entire yep. film. Yeah. Yep. And I, yeah. I'm I'm <laughs> equal oh, just real parts. Quick. Oh, real quick, Rob. Adding yeah. on to that, I saw um, I read this article, like a retrospective article on Complex.com. It was like 15 years later. Thing and uh, <laughs> Albert Stone went up to the cinematographer on the first day and just goes, Welcome to Vietnam, and walks away. <laughs> Everything that you're saying makes sense and makes me like this movie less. Because that was what was annoying me this time was the Oliver Stoneness of all of it. There is a lot of that, yeah. That's the, yeah, the Oliver Stoneness of it, I think, is, is what's either, it either, that's what makes it work, or that's what holds it back. Um, I'm not sure which one yet, but I also have have this insane relationship with this movie now because I haven't stopped being able, like I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm also incredibly annoyed by so many things. I have yeah. a list. <laughs> oh, sweet. There's a list. <laughs> yeah. I think I like it the most of the okay. three of us. Okay. I texted Rob as I was watching it that it was a basket of delights. Yes, it <laughs> sure. is. No, it absolutely is. There I is. I do agree with you, like, on every point that um, it's annoying. It's like there's crazy stuff in it yeah. that is so obnoxious. Yeah. But I think, like, they're really, like, you know, we watch so many movies that have, like, no things to grab onto, and in this movie, there's like dozens. Of there's things everything. To grab onto. Yes. So, e- so it's worth um, kind of burrowing through <laughs> yeah. all the all the negative stuff. Like the Oliver Stoniness of it, like is just at. Um, <sighs> it's weird because it's almost like at peak Oliver Stoniness, but it's also like dialed back from like a Natural Born car- Killers era Oliver era, era. <laughs> Oliver era. Stone. Like era. He's, I am Willie Beeman. Because era. They- <laughs> My, my name is Era Willie Era. <laughs> Welcome to the new Era Era. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so uh, this came off of Nixon being a flop and U-Turn being a flop. So there, I read that it was deliberately um, a choice of Oliver Stone's to make like the most mainstream <clears throat> movie possible. Sure. And I think that... His getting out of his own way in some of the respects of like his, um, you know, politics and things like that. There's still some of it in there, but like not where it beats you too far over the head. He's exploring other things, but he's got like some little things in there. Like he can't help but compare football players to gladiators. And he does can't... he wait? Does he do that? Does that happen in this movie? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I thought I just saw it. Um, 
There's stuff uh, he literally like, doesn't even trust us when he starts putting images of Ben Hur on screen. He has oh to have a God. character say "Modern Day Gladiators," right? Oh, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. Because of, lo- co- of course, when like somebody invites you over to lunch, you leave Ben Hur on. It's yes. like, look, I've been watching Ben Hur. That's what we are. While you're making your gumbo, what's he making? Jambalaya. Jambalaya. Sorry, can we anyways. talk? Can we talk for a second about how much I want to hang out with Al Pacino in his house coat with his name <laughs> on the back of it while we watch Ben Hur and eat jambalaya? That's that's my that's self care to me now. Oh yeah, that's yeah. He's wearing like an Italian stallion jacket yes. after he has sex with Elizabeth Berkeley, yes. which I mean, yes. who wouldn't? But, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I just wear a Beeman jersey. <laughs> I'm like, I would insist on dressing I'm like, up as Zach Moore. I'm like Jesse Spano. Did you like my <laughs> invisible juice? <laughs> um. <laughs> they also have like that thing in the crowd where it's like it doesn't become the crowd, but it becomes like an old Ugh. Chicago like <laughs> photographs where like everything is like yellow and like gold. What is what? And then there's what? like the Native American chants what? just because Oliver Stone what? has like a few left on his soundboard and he can't help but press the key. Well, and this is what makes me crazy, like. <laughs> That Oliver Stone was like, I'm going to make this commercial movie. I'm going to make a movie about football. And then he sits down and has to be like, now what do I have to say about football? Oh, yeah, it's tribal. Ooh, gladiators. And he just starts throwing out his nonsense peyote bullshit. <laughs> and then it works its way into this otherwise awesome movie yeah. that has like this amazing cast where every single person is like, oh, you're someone. Yeah. Oh, Charlton Heston shows up as the commissioner. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Berkeley is the prostitute. Literally everyone is someone. I wish they would have switched those roles. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> It costs $1,000 a night. (laughs) Call me Mandy. Um, So I... What I what I really like about Any Given Sunday, and again, this is probably like one of my favorite football movies, mm-hmm. and I think the reason for that is because it isn't content to just be like one team's inspirational story about coming back. It's not exactly. some – it, what I like about the script uh, by Oliver Stone and John Logan, who I'm going to give a lot of the credit for this movie working, um, is – how interested it is in like every aspect of the business of football, Mm -hmm. the entire team. So we get to know the doctors and we get to know the manager and we get to know some of the other coaches. It's not just El Pacino running the show. Um, All the agendas of the players and like why they're doing what they're doing. And it, and and, in some, in many ways it makes the movie a a total mess, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's trying to do way too much, but without that, I wouldn't like the movie as much as I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I did like that. I think it gets a little lost in the details sometimes because there's things like (laughs) Al Pacino, We'll say like about uh, Julian Washington, the running back played by L.O. Cool J. He's just like, he's a selfish player. We'll trade him in the offseason. But then they keep reminding Pacino that he's like not the GM. Right. He's just the head coach. I'm like, but he like, so can he trade him or not? Like, whose decision is this? So it's just like, there's. I think he thinks he can, but he keeps finding out he can't. Yeah. I don't know. He's stuck in the old ways. One thing, I know you're joking, but like. Your father. Your father. You don't have a beer. <laughs> we sure don't drink beer. Got a beer. Do you eat jambalaya? <laughs> <laughs> I got 
This podcast is going to be completely derailed. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm trying to pace myself. <laughs> um, no, like, I, I think it's, um, if there is a theme overarching of this movie is that in the first half of the movie, no one's listening to each other. Everybody's just burrowed in in their own point of view and their needs and what they are trying to achieve. And then they all kind of through, you know, school of hard knocks, so to speak, like learn that they have to kind of meet each other halfway or listen to each other in a lot of ways. So like you have, um, you know, like LL Cool J realizing that he can't just go for his yardage when it doesn't fit his his scheme or like Al Pacino's got like kind of a, a way of coaching the team that works for Dennis Quaid's quarterback character but not for willie beeman's who has a different skill set and once they kind of meet halfway in that one or like willie beeman is like um just very angry about how he was treated in his past positions in his career and now it's like his time to kind of like really be flashy and make his money because one thing that's i think the movie gets without like really spelling it out is Unlike other sports where, like, if you're a baseball player, you could have, like, a couple good seasons and then, like, really cash in. With football players, there's not a lot of guaranteed money. So, like, you have to make it while you're healthy and while you're good. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of time. There's a lot of ways where NFL teams can kind of screw you over, like, by franchise tagging you, which, like, caps your earning potential and things None like that. None of what you're saying makes sense So there's a lot of – but I'm just saying it's, like <laughs> – it's a, it's a, your lifespan in the NFL just because of the beating you take is shorter. Yeah. So Tell you have the to. Tell the truth. Yes. <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, so I think they, they get in that into that a lot. I, I go, uh, Rob, I'm going to let you jump in just one second. I agree with you. I take issue a little bit with that last game where everyone learns a lesson at the same time mm, really yeah. quickly. Yeah. And like Willie Beeman really comes around and just all of a sudden is in awe of Cap Rooney and Cap Rooney is all on Willie Beeman and LL Cool J makes his sacrifice. And mm -hmm. Al Pacino has to say, Oh, you weren't selfish. <laughs> you stepped out of bounds. Uh, I, I don't want you to play Pacino. for me forever. <laughs> <laughs> because we had one good game together. Your head is like a shark fin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rob, go ahead. No, I was actually going to say something similar, which is that that last, because I, I was I wrote, sort of wrote down that I like this almost, it's not a deconstruction of sports movies, but it, it does this thing where it, it goes out of its way to try not to follow the traditional sports movie structure right. to the points where, like you said at the end, where when it does, it kind of feels a little sort of thrown together or anticlimactic. It's way too neat for a movie that yeah. has not been neat it's at all. not neat at all. Like the characters are, are just, I mean, you could say they're underdeveloped, but they're just, everybody is along for the ride. Right. Oliver Stone, Oliver Stone grabbed this movie and is pulling everyone through it you know the characters don't really ever get a chance to breathe or anything like that which goes with the like aesthetic of the movie like that's what makes this fun to watch but then when you have them all come together in this character moment in the end I'm not I'm sort of with you Patrick I'm not 100% sure it really works the way the way it you know you might, might want it to or the way that it feels um like it should even cameron diaz like having this revelation and you know getting along with yeah. her mom and getting excited about the game like whatever that's fine but it's just for everyone to be going through this change yeah in the span of one football game is a little bit dishonest for a movie that i think has tried to put honesty above some other qualities mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i like um yeah, I think like on like an individual level, if you take away like 
it, it all happening at once. Right. I think it's really interesting. Like the stuff with the the thing that I like is they're not like learning it through some kind of altruistic way. They're learning these lessons about having to change and not being a monster by people abandoning them completely. Like when Cameron Diaz gets caught for her maneuvering behind the scenes with trying to move the team to Los Angeles. And the commissioner is basically like, no, you're fucked. Like you're going to be really docked hard for this. And then like with Willie Beeman in that rain game, the monsoon game where his the line, one where, the his, one where Billy Cole shoots himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't laugh a bitch. Uh, so like, yeah. And then his whole line just abandons him. <clears throat> so he gets murdered out there. Um, by the way, that has my favorite, real life football player cameo of the movie in it because there's a part where the opposing coach is Warren Moon and then like one of his players scores a touchdown and then he's just like yeah good job and then he has a moment where he just kind of looks at the camera and smiles and I'm like oh they I just imagine them being like Warren don't look right at the camera <laughs> maybe one of the seven editors should have cut a little sooner oh there was God. so much footage to cut though like, like the, and that's the thing. This was, you know, yeah. Oliver Stone during this period thought that every one of his movies needed to be shot on four different film stocks yeah. and incorporate all this different stock footage. And it's like, you don't, you could just tell a straightforward story. You don't have to do all this nonsense, Oliver Stone. It doesn't make your movie better. I get why you did it for JFK. I'll even allow it for Natural Born Killers because I think it ties into some of what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to do it in any given Sunday. Yeah, I really. Oh, go ahead. I really like that the movie. I really like that the movie is three hours long, and that the movie continues through the credits. Like <laughs> yeah. the, movie had, the movie has so much to say; it just it can't stop. It has to be put down. We got to see that last press conference. I love that last press conference though, because it is so ridiculous. Like any, I I don't care how poorly run your front office is. Any front office would know that he signed away their quarterback <laughs> and i just think i just want these scenes for that to... new expansion team in albuquerque <laughs> the aztecs i got full management <laughs> i want i kind of want um him just to be like will it come on we're walking <laughs> and then they walk out and he's carrying the pot of jambalaya <laughs> he's like we're taking Tony D's favorite dish out west. <laughs> um, we need to. I know we're jumping around a lot, but like get the, the oven. <laughs> the, Az, the Aztecs uh, reminds me of. I, I I get why they didn't set this within the NFL. It's this weird parallel universe where yeah. it's a different league and all the teams are different. Um, but one of the problems I have with the movie, and it's a minor problem, is like it's bad at approximating the NFL in terms of like the teams and in particular the like production design and the uniforms. When yeah. they get to that scene at the end when the team that they're playing, the, uh, the, the California, the New York Emperors, isn't it? Oh, no. Yeah, they're playing. They play New York in the rain game, and then right. I think they play the Los California Crusaders? Los Angeles Crusaders. The Crusaders, yeah. the Crusaders I wrote all the names down. Stadium yeah. and their uniforms are so visually unappealing to me. That's a, well, the stadium is where the Dolphins play. I it's like a real stadium. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just the colors that they used. I thought it was weird to set the last game at it like an indoor stadium. Yeah, 
Uh, and I just I hated those uniforms on that other team so much. I was yeah. like, mm, this is making it hard for me to invest. Yeah. Patrick, did you like the, the Minnesota Americans or the Minneapolis Americans? <laughs> what about the Chicago like, Rhinos? I don't think I liked any of them because so I just thought it was so bad. Around. And just like the mascots, it's like this JV yeah. dude in a knight costume. I'm like, what is this? This is not anything like the NFL. Those Sharks rem- uniforms are badass. The though. Sharks uniforms are fine. Yeah. I have no complaints about the yeah. Sharks uniform. Mm-hmm. It reminded Fins me of up. like when I would... When I would play sports video games and it would you could have the teams, you know, if you were playing a hockey game or a football game or whatever, but then the, the computer would also provide like a couple sample <clears throat> teams for you to build your own. Yeah. And they were always very similar to like, you know, the Los Angeles Crusaders, the Miami Sharks, the, the Minnesota Americans, the Dallas Knights, like the, <laughs> off, the offhand teams. One of the things I wanted to mention, though, Patrick, is that what's interesting about this is that the NFL exists in this universe. Yeah, this is just like right. a side, you, right. a side team. So this is like the Crosstown Dolphins. So this yeah. is the XFL, basically. Because the, Dol- yeah. the Dolphins yeah. exist. This is the XFL movie. Yeah. Yes. I yes. I do think that it's um I I kept like kind of uh, try, one one thing that I've I've developed a relationship with this movie over the years. <laughs> um, I like to think what happened to these people after the movie ended. So it's like how how long did it take for Willie and and uh, Coach D'Amato to win in Albuquerque and stuff. Sure. Like, what happens under Nick Crozier's leadership <laughs> in Miami? Um, one of the things that I thought was, do you think, like, at a Miami Sharks game, whenever they're, like, in the red, zone, the red zone and they're about to score and stuff, they show the scene in Jaws where it's, like, the zoom-in dolly-out where they're just like, oh, no, there's I sharks so. in the water. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. I doubt it, though. No, it's disappointing. <laughs> they don't have that technology. <laughs> um, let's talk about... Um, Favorite performances and least favorite performances in this movie. Because one great thing about a movie with a cast this size <laughs> yeah. uh, is that it's very easy to pick out your own favorite and least favorites. Yes. Rob, how about you? Oh, you're, I knew you were going to do this. Um, <laughs> well, there's only two of you. I uh, Favorite performance. I mean. Uh, Let's I mean, draw straws. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Al, I mean, you got to go with Pacino. I, I, I'm going to mention, though, real quick before I answer your question, is that it should be against the law to have Matthew Modine, Dennis Quaid, and Aaron Eckhart in the same movie. <laughs> it's like the generic white guy Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was interesting that uh, what Cameron Diaz was doing. She doesn't really have an opportunity to play roles like that. And I think that was toward the beginning of her career where maybe Stone was thinking about casting her as this like sort of ice queen. Like, am I wrong that she doesn't really play very many roles like that? She, during the... early on, um, yeah. did. And this comes from that period where Cameron Diaz was making really interesting movies and really interesting choices and was always, I thought, really good in them. Uh, yeah. So I'm with you. I think she... I think she's really interesting in the movie, yeah. and maybe just just because I'm so used to her as you know Charlie's Angels and stuff like that. Right, so right, I right. was like, oh, that's right, she's doing something really interesting in this. It was like when we were watching Sea of Love, Adam, and I was looking at John Goodman, and I was like, oh wow, I don't really see John Goodman play this role that often, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like her in this uh, movie too. Yeah. So who's, Adam, who's, your, who's your least favorite? Who's your least favorite? Uh, should, should, do I say James Woods just because I feel like I have to say James Woods? Well, what? the nice things about the nice thing about James Woods in this movie is that he's playing himself. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the villain trying to yeah, date eighteen-year-olds and uh, <laughs> saying hateful things towards them. I was like, look, it's the real James Woods. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a least favorite performance though. I don't. I don't know. I, again, maybe just. Uh, I don't know. Come back to me. <laughs> it's so it's not John C. McGinley, is what you're saying. I, I think have this he's playing a type. He's playing <laughs> I, that guy really well. 
He's, he's playing, playing Jim Rome. He's playing Jim Rome. Who's Jim Rome? Jim Rome is like one of those Fox Sports douchebags who like deliberately antagonizes people and like gets really high on certain people for 20 minutes until he decides that it's in vogue to not be in on that person. And then he tries to like pick up like the colloquialisms and things like that, like okay. with the pounds and right. stuff like that. So he's playing a very specific type of person. And one of the things that I like um about it's it's almost like a satire of that guy of that kind of guy or even like movie sports announcers because in and oliver stone is kind of like a satire of a sport of a real sports announcer why, too. why does it have to be oliver stone because he's he loves out himself so he's you know whatever but anyways why does he have to be in the movie so why is his picture right up next to damato's because to draw attention to himself because he has to be the star too <laughs> um so uh no, like in movies, sports announcers are just like, here comes Cap Rooney, 38 years old, on his last legs in a historic career. It's like, yeah, we've been watching the game for three quarters. We know who he is. <laughs> like, that would never happen in real life, but in a movie, they do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Or like the sports writer is just like, welcome to the future, a new style of football, because he completed like one pass. <laughs> like, like, nobody does that ever. It's just like. It's like on any given Sunday with oh, every yeah. inch by inch oh, of the game. God. All right. Um my favorite, yeah. I think, yeah. um, is Jamie Foxx. Because this, this, this was is a, his yeah. first dramatic performance. It's hard to remember that. Like yeah. who Jamie Foxx was in nineteen ninety nine when this came out was yeah. very different than who Jamie Foxx is today. Yes. And I think that he's playing a character that goes through many different stages and temperaments very convincingly mm -hmm. in the movie and it's not a lot of him kind of it's like him kind of just tweaking his persona um and in different ways and i i, I think like um you know it reminded me like when i saw baby driver of just like what a versatile actor he is mm -hmm. when he when he's given the opportunity to and like this one is I don't know. I'm just kind of like happy that like this came along and gave him a shot to do this because like he almost didn't, he wasn't the first choice for this part. It was originally supposed to be Sean Combs, P. Diddy. And then there's two stories about why Sean Combs didn't do the movie. There's the one story is that he, uh, the movie kept getting pushed back and delayed and he would have had to delay his European tour. And mm. he was like huge at the time. And then another story was that they saw him throw a football. <laughs> and I like that story better. <laughs> Um, I read that same. I read that same article. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think it's that one. Yeah, yeah. That one. yeah. So he's just like the D, the I, the D, the D, the Y. The y. That's oh no. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah yeah um so he's my favorite. I think my least favorite is, and I don't know. Like this is a movie that doesn't have. Like I guess it's like the yeah. weird David Lynch movie characters of Anne Margaret and James Karen. Like, <laughs> What is going on there? I'm not entirely sure. They're like, we're old money. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I yeah. he's trying to say something, you know, about the owners and, and uh, okay, it doesn't totally work. Yeah. But one of the things I do like about the movie is, you know, Cameron Diaz is conniving and sort of portrayed as evil because... This movie, while mostly centered on men, because I'm sure Oliver Stone is just like, well, it's a very masculine culture. And uh, <laughs> I was in the desert. Just like Vietnam. Doing acid. Vietnam. And uh, 
Um, there are essentially, you know, just a handful of prominent female characters, mm -hmm. and it's Anne Margaret, who is a worthless drunk, essentially. Yeah. Cameron Diaz, who's kind of cold and conniving. Yep. Uh, Lauren Holly, who's a fucking monster. Yes. Did she need to be a monster? That was the moment where I was like, oh, Oliver Stone, your movie hates women. I think it was just because <clears throat> you needed to understand why Dennis Quaid's character wanted to retire. Otherwise, it would be like too easy for him to step aside. Because you could see throughout the movie, like, he's breaking down. Right. And he's starting to... And one thing I like about Dennis Quaid's performance and character is that he's playing, you know... He's basically playing, like, Dan Marino. Like, the old right, white right, right. guy quarterback. Right. Who is at the end of his career and is trying to tough his way out because that's what he's done his whole career. But he's, like, starting to have those first seeds of doubt mm -hmm. about himself. And mm -hmm. he kind of knows that his... It's like his mind is the only th like his body's breaking down and his mind is the only thing like keeping him going. And like now it's like both arcs are leaving him. So I think that's really good. So I think like it would almost be too easy for him to just completely kind of sulk and fade away unless he had some sort of a motivator or like something that is threatening him or pushing him in his the other direction, slapping which him in is the, face. the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think it's, it's weird. Cause we, you know, we just saw the post and it's a scene full of like, right. Actresses right. getting their one big scene. And right. I'm just like, Whoa, Lauren Holly should have been in the post. Cause like, <laughs> she's only got like one scene reason to be in the movie. Right. I just, yeah. maybe there could have been a counterpoint. Yeah. You know, a, a I feel woman like, who's not a monster. Yeah. I feel, I feel like it's, yeah, I sort of agree with Adam. It's, <clears> it's like not giving him an out. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to lessen the intensity. And if the, your whole point is that these guys are, you know, we've talked about the war aspect of it and the, <laughs> and the idea that Stone really wanted to equate these guys with, you know, gladiators and soldiers and the, the constant pressure. And I guess he didn't want to like have Dennis Quaid have the option of having like a really nice home life to return to, to make the, to make the uh, decision to retire more obvious like yeah. that, that con that constant pressure. But it is really upsetting that every woman is a, cold fish a drunk or a monster <laughs> yeah. it's really not great um but what i was going to say was one thing i like about it is cameron diaz while you may not agree with some of her methods uh or her ethics um she's not wrong you know I, yeah, like i watched yeah. that scene with pacino yeah. and the the jambalaya scene with pacino and jamie fox mm -hmm. they're saying completely different things but mm -hmm. i don't think either one of them i don't think the movie is condemning either ideology i think they're both mm -hmm. making mm -hmm. valid points in particular in terms of where they are coming from yeah i mean the movie isn't saying pacino's a dinosaur who needs to step aside mm -hmm. they're saying he's old fashioned and you know he's kind of stuck in this thing mm -hmm. but that doesn't make him bad and Jamie Foxx isn't just like, well, you're cocky and young and you don't get it yet because everything he's saying yeah. is valid at the same time. I like yep. that. I think that's my favorite scene in the movie is um, when because it is a very busy movie and that's like they take 10 minutes to just kind of have some breathing room right. and have this conversation have some of some conflict. They, do mm. they even eat any of the jambalaya? Yeah, or he no, tastes he, it because he, he doesn't it, like he spits it. it out in the napkin. Because right? then there's that hilarious yeah. exchange near the end where he finally admits he didn't like it. Yeah. Tell me the truth, Willie. <laughs> I see your arms getting tired. Why don't I carry the pot for two states? <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Don't spill none of it. Um, no, the uh, I like that scene a lot because I think, and I wouldn't think this unless it was, you know, 
right after Get Out came out last year, but there is a bit of an Al Pacino Get Out moment happening in that scene because Pacino's realizing, oh, because he says, you know, I worked with African-American players for decades. Don't tell me, you know, what I'm doing. And Jamie Foxx is just like, just listen to the way that you talk to us. Like, do you realize that, you know, the first thing you said to me was, growing up in the hood and stuff like that it's like do you realize that you're doing this and it's kind of shutting al pacino down on certain respects too so i yeah i mean that scene i think is just like really well written and well super well acted um and this was like a really good year for pacino like the night he wasn't around much he was in the insider like a month before this and then um you know one of the benefits of like looking at somebody's whole career like rob and i are doing with the with his movies each month is you saw in the 80s like he had like five movies and a lot not a lot of success and he went away for a few years and then in the 90s he just like came back and he had like a tear for for a whole decade with like glengarry glenn ross and scent of a woman and heat and then he had devil's advocate and any given sunday and the insider and stuff so um it's just like really nice to i mean he had a hell of a year that year yeah so yeah who's who's your favorite and least favorite of the ones Uh, that we haven't named yet i don't know Uh, i mean do you like ll cool j yeah he's fine i like when he goes crozier (laughs) he's fine i like you know that some of the casting is not that he doesn't cast all actors you know jamie fox was kind of taking a chance Mm -hmm. bill bellamy is kind of random but like sure throw him in there ll cool j okay Mm Um, I I think one of my favorite performances, honestly, is Lawrence Taylor. He's terrific. Yeah, he's, yeah. Sc- yeah. he's so scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, like in real life and in the and movie, and so just sympathetic in yeah. terms of what he wants. Um, and sad, you know. And I feel like his story gets so much to the heart of the mm-hmm. the plight of the major league football player. Yeah. Uh, it's not called major league, but uh, you know, we are gonna let it go. <laughs> um, I like. At the end, uh, how he's just like, give me that cortisone shit. And <laughs> yeah. then he's got like these devilish eyes and right, stuff. And right. um, one, I think the, the one reversal I'm not, it's weird because he's like the only one who changes for the worse is Matthew Modine. Yeah, but I kind of like that, that yeah. it's a little bit about like you can't always be idealistic. Yeah, yeah. Like that, unfortunately, this system will corrupt you to some extent. Yeah. I, I, I think it's underdeveloped because it's like, it barely registers you yeah. know in some ways but uh i i kind of like that i just think it's because modine's joy faces are weird sure so like you can't only, you can only yeah. look at those for so long yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um <laughs> least favorite i mean i mcginley you know <laughs> i like john c mcginley but his character bugs me in this movie yeah. uh matthew modine i don't think is great but i tend to not think matthew modine is a great actor and I sometimes scratch my head when I ask myself, why is he a movie star? Have you seen Bye Bye Love? Uh, I have. I have. So many McDonald's scenes. <laughs> oh, there sure are. Yeah. I saw it in a theater because wow. Janine Garofalo was in it. And by like the third McDonald's scene with like the old man, I was, I believe, crying, laughing to myself. <laughs> That's my memory of Bye Bye Love. Like anyway. It. Patrick, how would you rank Dennis Quaid, Matthew Modine, Aaron Eckhart? Where do you put them? <laughs> how do you rank I, don't, them? I don't know. This is great. Yeah. I mean, Modine's on the bottom. Okay. Uh, I like Aaron Eckhart, but like he's got to go in the middle just because of like I Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. 
and Quaid gets t- the, t- the top spot. I think Quaid is so perfectly cast in this movie. For sure. For like yeah. who he's playing. And yeah. then, but like I, I said... Think most of the movie is pretty perfectly cast. Yeah. Um, I just have thought a lot about these people over the years and like... <laughs> I just, especially once we started doing like the Wyatt Earp Quaid voice, the whole movie I'm watching it, I'm just like, I thought I was your quarterback, Tony. <laughs> Remember when you and me used to eat jambalaya? Spinning like your favorite CD, baby. <laughs> Maybe my least favorite performance is Andrew Brynjarski, just because he's yeah. such human garbage in real life yeah him and james woods are like uh he's in a pod yes they yeah. are both the worst he's played a football player in this the program yeah. and necessary roughness oh is he in necessary roughness he is, yeah wow yeah shoot yeah <laughs> yay um yay. one thing i was i was trying to find the theatrical cut of this movie yeah i don't think you can it's on the special edition 15 year anniversary blu-ray okay. but i didn't have enough time to get it but now i gotta buy it's it this again. weird like thing where this the the theatrical cut is 170 minutes the director's cut is like 160 or so yeah and like it's not just that they cut things they added new scenes so they cut even more right, so like he added right. six minutes into the director's cut and then cut basically like four 16 minutes out of so i've only ever seen the theatrical cut in theaters yeah um which by the way we talk a lot about how great a year 1999 was yeah here was my day at the movies in 1999 between christmas and new year's mm-hmm. uh, i went to see the talented mr ripley mm-hmm. then i jumped over and saw galaxy quest mm-hmm. and nice. then finished out my day with any given sunday what? Like, what a day at the movies is that? How do you even top that? Right? I don't think you can. And you, you probably didn't go back till Snow Day came and out. And I wasn't even... I did see <laughs> Snow Day in theaters. Um, I wasn't even, like, over the moon excited about any of those. I was just like, yeah, they all work with the times. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. they all... My, the times work out for these three. Not expecting that all three would be uh, pretty terrific. This was the last movie I ever saw at the rolling... The Lowe's Rolling Oh, Lowe's yeah. Before it... So, Rob, there was... Um, in in Schaumburg, Illinois, there was the Woodfield, and then okay. there was the one Schaumburg. The Woodfield was like the slam jamma of the theaters, <laughs> and then there was one Schaumburg place, which was a mall theater, and then the Rolling Meadows, which is this like, just you know, just kind of separate multiplex, yeah. and they converted the Rolling Meadows theater into like what is it like a wedding banquet yeah. home? Yeah. So the whole time, like every time I drove past it after that, I was just like, I want to get married in theater eight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, so I got the, the movie on DVD, I think as part of like the Oliver Stone collection box set, which I bought, um, and put it on. And the only change that I was really aware of in terms of the director's cut was the eyeball. Yeah. And I, cause I was like, I do not remember that from theaters and I hate the eyeball and I will always hate the eyeball. And I do not know why the eyeball is in this movie. doesn't make any sense. It is ridiculous. Yeah, Rob, do you like the eyeball? You probably I, do. I, it it doesn't love it. belong, but I can't like. All right, he's this he, is I a imagine, dangerous game. These men are gladiators. I imagine him on that day, you know, peyote and all that stuff, <laughs> and, and thinking to himself, what would be the most you know extreme version? You know, he's like, ow, you know, what do you think? And he's like, well. <laughs> They're all Pacino at this point. <laughs> <laughs> what do I, you I don't think, think it, Al? <laughs> 
I don't think it fits, but I I was like I wrote down in my notes. I was like, what is this Jalo? What's happening here? Yeah, it's but, so dumb. It's, it's so. Oh, it makes me so angry every time I see that, it. It's that thing where you almost think that he doesn't know what movie he's making, right? Like because you're with him the whole movie, and then he does that, and you're like, "Ooh, do you are you losing it?" You know. <laughs> I think that's his Saving Private Ryan move because he couldn't have somebody with their entrails pouring <laughs> up on themselves. Yeah. It's he like wanted to. I and they show gladiator. that. <laughs> Pacino's just like, "What a hard hit! <laughs> his guts literally spilled out of his torso, <laughs> one inch at a time." <laughs> We'll trade him in the offseason. <laughs> Clean up aisle 30-yard line. My God. Somebody get those spaghetti noodles off my field. I love... Uh, stay off the jambalaya for a while. <laughs> I love Jim Brown in this movie, too. Again, I, I don't yeah. think it's a coincidence that two of my favorite performances are by the actual NFL players, mm. uh, just because they bring... A certain authenticity, but they're both good actors too. I think. Yeah, I, I the, Jim Brown also represents a sports movie cliche that I I like a lot, which is the um, I want to go back to high school where it's pure. Right, right, like right. they always say that. Right. I want it just to be like where they they show Jim Brown go back to high school and they're just complete monsters, like even worse <laughs> than the pro players. And then he's just like, I want to. I don't even know where I want to go. <laughs> I am so disappointed. He wants to go back to ancient Rome, to the real gladiators, I when wanna, it was pure. I want to go back to Nintendo, where it was pure. <laughs> uh, okay, so this Any Given Sunday yeah. was one of the four movie posters I had on my dorm wall. <laughs> they were all from 1999. I want you guys to guess. One is an Oscar winner, and the other two are... Other guys, guy movies from the night from 1999. I mean, I would need to pull up a list of 1999 movies. I'll give to you hints. Really pull this. All hints. right, hints I might be able to do. Okay, one, um, Belly Button, American Beauty. Okay. American Beauty. Okay, I remember my roommate was just like, "Put that on the ceiling. It'll be really cool." I'm like, "Who are you?" This morning <laughs> I was in the car and I heard "Because" by the Beatles, and yeah. I remembered the Elliott Smith cover of "Because" at the end of American Beauty, and I I was like, I got mad at myself for. Nine, at 1999 me for mm. being like yes <laughs> the movie ends because I was such an Elliot Smith fan and he's covering the Beatles at the end of this movie that I thought was profound and I was just like yeah you're like and then I put on my lit CD <laughs> right exactly <laughs> I went to Rob's high school and bought a lit yep. CD okay um, another can one I, yeah go ahead can I can I guess Fight Club yes that was oh one. nice All right, so yeah. you're just missing one yeah, um, this one came out in March of 1999 um, it's not the Mod Squad. It's not Ed TV. Shane Falco is in it. Oh, The Matrix. Yep. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Those were my posters. Wow. Yeah. It was like the college. Yeah. It was like set dressing. <laughs> um, uh, what did you guys think of the pregame speech? That's a huge thing in this movie is the pregame speech, the <sighs> game of inches and all yeah. that. I've seen that before sales meetings, and I'm always just like, this person's a fucking quack. <laughs> like, whenever I see that, they're just like, these sales are all around us. We just got to get the quotes. We got to bleed for those quotes. <laughs> I always tend to check out during the the speech uh whether it's in the locker room or on the battlefield because it's the same speech and yeah. i've just always thought like 
if I was on the front line of a battle and I'm like, I don't know, I'm probably going to get killed. Like, I'm not a good fighter. I'm not brave. Well, I guess Kira Knightley talked me into it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's probably not how it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. So I, it's fine. Like, it's fine. And Pacino sells it. But I think it's funny. You, Rob, did you notice, like, that one dude with the super intense face? In the Pacino was speech, it Andrew Brynjarski. No, he's just like this extra, but like his face is so intense. Where I'm just like, oh, he's a murderer. <laughs> they all are. <laughs> yeah. They're gladiators. Oh, yeah. modern day warriors. Uh-huh. I feel like that's the type of speech that would only work once because it's not like before, like Game Four, you could go in and be like, "Got a flat tire today." <laughs> like you could only like do the "My life sucks" speech once <laughs> before it falls on deaf ears. And I don't know if the, I mean, I love, you know, like watching the speech, but does it, does it necessarily reinforce the theme of, of, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like I'm looking at this whole game of inches thing and I'm like, it, it makes sense because gladiators and battle and all that. But <laughs> I, I, I think it's just, I think Oliver Stone just, or maybe it was uh, John Logan. I don't know. Got, got so into the idea of writing it. Do you ever think that maybe it was backwards engineered? He wrote that speech first and then he wrote a lot of the other stuff. Well, afterwards. It's, ba- it's based on a real speech. I read it's um, oh, okay. Marty Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer said it before a playoff game in like 1989. So it's okay. based off of that. Was someone recording it? How do we know this? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't know. Do they record all the speeches in the locker room? Yeah. Okay, sure. I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, all right. I don't know. Sports. <laughs> we, the, Sports. we got a heel as a team. <laughs> I like... Uh, what, if he was, what if he was just passing out bowls of jambalaya while he was giving That would speech. be all right. He's like, come and get it, guys. <laughs> I forgot bowls. <laughs> get it while it's hot! Cup your hands! <laughs> The thing about him being too old to do it for them and all that stuff, like I just, I don't know, so much of the movie, like, it has this way of, like I said earlier, running through everything. Like the movie, that almost feels like a Christopher Nolan movie where the whole movie feels like a trailer. Like right, it doesn't right, necessarily, right. it doesn't necessarily feel like the characters have a scene to right. really, you know, flesh out. But it's I feel like that moment. Montage. Mm-hmm. What's that? It's a two and a half hour montage. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I, so I feel like in that moment, I I could either say, well, that moment doesn't ring as as well as it should because the characters are so underdeveloped, or at the same time, I could say this is the human moment that makes the rest of that manageable. You know what I mean? Like I won't necessarily see Pacino's character sort of falling apart until you think about it. And you go, oh no, wait, you know, is the thing with the um the estranged family and the and the uh, the, uh, the 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 prostitute uh, moment and all the other little things that come together. This is a movie that comes together in your mind after you watch it. Like after right when it's over, you're sort of just trying to decompress. But I think the more I think about that speech, the more I'm like, oh no, it does kind of fit, and it sort of it sort of works. I don't know. I'm a fan of it. I like it. I like it too. It's good stuff. Good speech. I just can't get over all his nonsense. Like Ooh, just, or no, Stone. Oliver oh, Stone's oh, okay. just his. Yeah, the over editing and that. What do you guys think of the actual like football in the movie? I think it's more realistic than other movies football okay. because it's exte- more extended. Okay, there's because when I'm watching Necessary Roughness and right. the replacements, it's right. like every shot is two seconds. Whereas this one, I feel like you're actually seeing like a play. Okay, so and um, 
I think they definitely like overdo it with the sound mixing uh, and yeah. things like that to make it more bone crunching. Right. So it's just like, you know, if somebody just gets like clipped, it sounds like they get hit by a truck. <laughs> but um, because he adds in truck sound effects yeah. and Native American chants. Mm-hmm. Well, because he wants to do it from the perspective of the players. And right? then Whereas... shots of lightning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most of the, most of the time we're watching it from the perspective of like sports movies give us the perspective of the of the uh the audience right so this time he's like well these are soldiers i don't know why he's out you know. <laughs> these are soldiers on the ground what's with the random fans who just start punching each other in the stands <laughs> that's not not true it's that happens not. sometimes but yep. what a, it's just like there's not one detail he's willing to leave alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's not one thing where he's like, hey, my movie might be trying to do too much already. Maybe I don't need to uh, there is no say too that much Oliver Stone. No, no. He's like, build all. another edition on my house. What's in there? <laughs> Emptiness. <laughs> I was thinking about... I was thinking about what Adam was saying earlier about that speech with the, that scene with Fox and uh, and Al and the uh, where they're talking sort of about the idea of black athletes and in institutions that yeah. are largely controlled by you know white owners and all that stuff. And I was thinking, you know, maybe hit on that because I was watching it, thinking to myself like, oh, this is this is you know this is pretty apropos right now, especially with the whole you know the NFL and the kneeling and all that stuff. Not which in is, the XFL. It's it's no not kneeling. About, you know, it's never been about. Off. Right. It's never been about free speech or the military. It's about like basically racist white people having an excuse to sort of otherize these black right. athletes, you know, right. and all that. And, and I like that. Good. No, I was just going to I was just going to agree with you. I mean, like yeah. it's um, sorry, I just couldn't, you know, wait to that. It just, no, I, had okay. to, I had to interject because I just agree no. with you so much. Like the uh, the NFL and I'm not throwing shade at i mean like i like the nfl and a lot of people like the nfl i'm not throwing shade at a sport that a lot of people love but um i am but what i'm going to say is like it's such a hypocritical bullshit league like in a lot of ways like there's um you know no respect very little respect for the people who make it up who are playing in it on a week in week out basis but there's so many like faux patriotism jingoism type macho nonsense that's associated with it that um i love that this is like the one football movie that not sanctimoniously calls it on a lot of its bullshit while also celebrating a lot of the stuff that's in it too like i mean there's a reason why you know like people play fantasy football and stuff like that and go to the games and wear football jerseys and have super bowl parties and stuff because it's like it's this oversized emotional thing. It's... Which, I mean, would you compare it to like modern day gladiators? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. But I would. Um, no, I, and one thing I, I mean, like you, you, you were joking about the movie Concussion earlier. Um, and this is so. <laughs> do it, Rob. We need it. Should I... <laughs> you do it. You do it. I, I don't do a Will Smith that I well. I don't do a Will Smith either. Yeah, I, do. I don't know. Ready? Woo! <laughs> He's just like, aha, aha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. <laughs> um, so, no, I like I like that um, the movie touches on CTE way before, right. like, that was really in the consciousness of, like, people following football for yeah. a long time. And... Um, I, I, on like a individual level. So you see like the effects of a person, not just like after the effect, after their career, when they're, you know, like so many of these guys who are like getting into like 
you know, trouble, you know, criminally because they just have no control over their, their, their brain anymore. Um, and then I like that the Pacino Fox dynamic is sort of kind of that beginning stages of like what we see now with like a Blake Bortles or Cam Newton or Michael Vick. Ugh, gross. But, um, where it's the quarterback that just their repertoire isn't just throwing the football. Like they run, they're athletic and everything like that. And that wasn't so much of a thing. Like when Dan Marino was a quarterback, it was just like, you know, stand in the pocket and throw it and stuff like that. So I think the movie, like in a lot of ways, like is really kind of comprehensive in, in, yeah. So it's, and it's sort of, way. yeah, no, I just agree with you. And it, like, I like that sort of Jamie Foxx's character is aware of that, aspect of like you know football being the greatest show on earth and all that like Mm -hmm. he's saying you you want me to be extravagant you want me to be reckless you want me to be all ego like that's the that's what you're selling Mm -hmm. and try and trying to pretend like you're not selling that is the hypocrisy yeah like stop stop acting like that's not your bread and butter you want me to go out there and be caught with you know supermodels or whatever like he like that ego like i really like what he's saying about you know you said before the idea of the the sort of um I guess how you say like a, uh, a deficiency assumption with like young, you know, like you said with how uh, talking about growing up in the hood and all that, like there's that assumption of like, well, this is, this is what you're meant to do. This is the way that you can express yourself being, you know, a young black male. And like Jamie Foxx's character is like, well, I'm just going to exploit that then. Cause I'm, I'm going to benefit from it. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm just going to benefit from this and you, you're, you can live with that hypocrisy. But you know, I think that's a really interesting moment in the movie. And I like, again, like the movie is honest about a lot of the hypocrisies of the league and all that. And then when you compare it to his, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, but um, the movie is about gladiators <laughs> and about how soldiers and gladiators and athletes are all very similar. Um, I don't know if you picked up on that. Wait, they're, so they're but, like football players. So it's like so it's like basically a similar kind of, you know, physical exertion and a similar kind of sacrifice. It, it could also be, you know the way soldiers see it could be the way football players see it. I just, oh. you know, it's a little, it's a little thread. I don't know if Holy you see it. But... Shit. So they advance on the battlefront together so, to achieve so a, a goal for the greater good. So when you look at the inches like on the football field or a gladiator, right. wait, like exactly. soldiers and gladiators were paid millions of dollars to mm-hmm. do what they did. Yeah. It's essentially the same kind of thing. Again, just <laughs> Checks next time, in the mail. Next time you watch it, just, just try to look out for it. It's a little hard to see, but, um, but no, again, like the idea of that total sacrifice and, and I have to, like, I almost like the way the movie is constructed as a sort of like schizophrenic, hyper attentive, like I can't pay attention to any one thing because that's how it feels for these guys. Like they have to keep up with everything. And again, I really like that moment with Jamie Foxx because he's kind of saying, I know what I'm doing. It's kind of the rest of you that are floundering, you know, and I'm going to expose a lot of that otherism and a lot of the, right. you know, kneel, kneeling in the NFL bullshit and all that, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I do wish there was a little bit more of that in terms right. of, uh, you know, I appreciate that some of the players are realists in terms of like, I understand that you guys are using me to do this certain thing. Exactly. Uh, my trade-off is I'm going to get paid, you know, but yeah. there's not necessarily this idea of, I don't want to say class difference, but it is very much like this group of people working for this group of wealthy, pr- primarily white people in power. Um, I, I like that like you said, it's comprehensive and that there's, you know, James Woods for as awful as James Woods is as a human being. And then as a character, again, he's not wrong when he says like, you don't want to know mm-hmm. that this is what I'm doing because it's, you know, it makes you then 
accountable. Yeah, even even Pacino, right? Even Pacino saying like, "Well, you got to sign a waiver." For him, that was him like doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. even though he's letting this guy go out there and possibly die. But gosh, it's what he needs. And is he doing the guy a favor because maybe he's going to get his bonus? Who knows? Like everybody is compromising in these ways, and they justify it to themselves you know and cameron Mm -hmm. diaz has a little bit of that speech too where it's like people want to see scoring Mm -hmm. they want to see like they want teams to run a play from the two they don't want to see somebody (laughs) kick a point after a touchdown i don't remember yeah i don't think you see like a single field goal kicked in this movie Uh, do they do the team even have kick do the teams have kickers yeah because he got kicked off the toilet from andrew benerson oh that's right before he took a massive dump that reminded me of that scene in in, uh like on the battlefield in creed uh where it's like all of a sudden they got a shit uh kathy ireland was the kicker originally right yeah okay yeah She's the, maybe the best part of Necessary Roughness. Did you know that she's worth $450 million now? No kidding, like, but, because of her like clothing line? Yeah, like I read that um, because when you're watching Necessary her, Roughness, man. you have time to look on your phone. Um, <laughs> you No, there was, uh, yeah, she was worth like $10 million in like 2005 or whatever. And then she had like all those clothing lines and branding and yeah. marketing and stuff. And then it went to $450 million wow. worldwide. Good yeah. for her. Yeah, man. good for her. She seems like a really nice person too with all of her philanthropy stuff. So I didn't know even she better. was yeah. a philanthropist. Um, She's like a gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A gladiator of money. <laughs> One thing that bothers me about Necessary Roughness is Scott Bakula has Your... perpetual... Um, one second, I have to take a shit phase in that okay. movie where he's right. just like, "Oh God, <laughs> finally after this shit, I'll." He totally keeps remembering this up. that he's a necessary <laughs> roughness. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Anything else about any given Sunday we want to say? I was just going to ask you guys what other football movies you like. Mm. Doesn't have to be a ranking. No, I, like I said, this is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, I I have Go draft ahead. day. I take it easy. Varsity Blues. I enjoy Varsity Blues. Friday Night Lights. I've only seen it once, but I remember liking it. Rudy. Never seen Rudy. Remember the Titans. I've seen it once. Okay. What about You're you, Rob? You're forgetting the Water Boy, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Little Giants. I've seen oh, both yeah, of those. Little Giants. I forgot. Yeah. About that. No, I yeah. I if I had to put one up there, it would probably be this one. Um, I've never seen. Uh, I'm realizing that I've never seen Friday Night Lights. I've I've seen the TV show. I think I don't think I've ever seen the movie. I never saw the show, but I remember the movie being good. Um, I you know again I think were we saying this before we started recording that I have a weird affection for the replacements that I can never defend. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If it, it it shows up on like TBS and TNT a lot. Is it because of Brooke Langton? I definitely will put it on. Yeah. Like, I don't hate the scene where they kiss to the police. Like, <laughs> it does not bother me. Yeah. Do you like the scene where they sing, I will survive? No, I do not. Cell? You know what? No, I do not. And I respect that when they do it on the field at the end of the movie, Keanu Reeves is nowhere to be found. Even in the jail <laughs> scene, he's just like, at the very end, he's like, fine. Yeah. Like, two frames. <laughs> two frames. I like that he is not having any of that shit. Yeah. I remember having an affection for uh, Adam. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, this might upset you because I'm about to. Oh, I thought you Dwayne. were just going to say I remember having an affection for Adam and stopping there. <laughs> that would have been a that would have been a win for me. I remember uh, uh, having an affection for Gridiron Gang with Dwayne the Rock Johnson they and actually, Exhibit. 
Yeah, that actually isn't that bad. That one was pretty I rem- good. I remember that was the first movie I saw where I went like, oh, The Rock is kind of an actor. Like he's he can he can kind of be good. I don't remember anything about the movie, but when I look at the poster, I think, oh, I, I remember liking that. So, I remember that one. movie being crazy violent at the beginning, like to a level that I wasn't anticipating because there was like because Billy Cole shoots himself in the end zone. It's almost <laughs> as bad as that. It's like um, guy there's... loses his eyeball in the end zone. <laughs> so it's many entrails. So many. It's just like. Riff, clean, we got four eyeballs on the field. (laughs) Is this a match? This guy's missing two of them. Listen to me, warriors. You got to fight a Cyclops. (laughs) This is not Pacino at all. Did you say you have to fight for Cyclops? I wish you have to fight a Cyclops is what I said. Cyclops were very popular when I was playing college. Your father was the king of the Cyclops. I want I want to see a flashback scene where Al Pacino, Coach D'Amato's, Mrs. D'Amato is yeah. just like Tony. <laughs> this is Ann Margaret talking. <laughs> she's like ringing a literal dinner. Oh bell, no, and Pacino's like, wife. I'm sorry. We in the hood, come here. You, get away from your daddy's Buick. Run back to the house. I'm ringing the dinner bell. Jambalaya night. <laughs> So Mrs. D'Amato yeah. is Al Pacino in a wig and a dress, <laughs> yeah. much like Jack and Jill, yeah. starring Al Pacino. Wanna, He's I the best see, part of Jack and Jill. I want a series of flashbacks where Pacino <laughs> tries to get the jambalaya recipe right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. With like four different film stocks and shots of lightning. <laughs> it's set to a DMX song. <laughs> He's like, you are not going to take this from me, baby. You are not going to take this from me, baby, baby, baby. My my Well, yeah, right. Why at one point is Oliver Stone aware of the fact when he's describing... Oh, by the way, to answer your football question, I just Googled like football movies and I looked at a list of 50 on IMDb because I would have started out this podcast by being like, I think I like football movies. I've maybe seen five on the list and like... The two that I like are probably the replacements and necessary roughness. <laughs> so I don't like football movies. Yeah. I think they're the sport with the best movies. Probably. I think football and boxing. Because, Rob, weren't you and I talking about this? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. Football and boxing. Or hockey's got some good ones. Like Miracle with your boy ones. K. Russell. Young Blood. Starring Keanu Reeves. I didn't see Young Blood. Keanu Reeves is in it. Okay. And Cynthia Gibb. Um, so. Be. When Oliver Stone, as his sportscasting character, uh, is describing Willie Beeman, is he aware that at one point he refers to he? I can't remember all the verbs. He's this. He's that. He's this. He's that. He's shucking. He's jiving. Oh I was God. like, "What oh. did you just say, Oliver Stone?" Yeah. Anyway, yeah. this movie's kind of racist. <laughs> A little bit. Not just because of that. I think there's a weird. It tries to address race. I think it comes up short, and so it ends up having some weird racist overtones. But it, it, I, I, I appreciate that it does make an attempt to address the kind of disparity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. the shucking and jiving line is that's like, wrong. Really, that's not good. All right. So, yeah. so Patrick, Patrick, would you say you're mark on on any given Sunday? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Listen, do don't that. pull me into your reserved seating nonsense. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I would be. I like this movie. So would I. It's a yeah. fucking headache of a movie, but I like it. It's like a good headache, <laughs> I guess. It's a it's a kind of movie you feel exhausted after you watch. Yeah. Like you you it's a it's an event in your life. 
<laughs> but it tries to yeah. cover more about football than most football movies. So, yes. are you guys gonna watch the Super Bowl? I usually have it on. Yeah. Um, for the movie commercials, not even because you just watch those online like shortly after. Yeah. I just usually have it on just because. But I don't know, man. This year, like, no offense to any Patriots fans, but I'm just I'm over it. I'm like, I don't think they're. I, I think you just won fans by saying that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's diehard Patriots fans. Just, you know? just Buckler. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody on Twitter referred to the Super Bowl as this really awesome concert that the Patriots throw every year. <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. Patrick, yeah. Patrick, I have one last question about the XFL for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, one of the things about the XFL is that there's no in the grasp rule. Now, oh, if you had, if, what is if you the had in to the guess, grasp rule? What is the in the grasp rule in the NFL? Are you saying grasp G R A S P? Oh, I think or I... grasp G R A S S. G R A S P. Okay, in the grasp rule is like um, when you're in the grasp of drug addiction, you're not allowed to play. And in the XFL, <laughs> yes, you are allowed to play even while in the grasp of a drug addiction. That's that... exactly right. I... Okay, good. That's exactly right. <laughs> I thought it was like. I could just see El Pacino misunderstanding, and he has like a kiddie pool full of grass, and he's like, "I'm in the grass pool." Oliver Stone directs from a kiddie pool full of grass. I did, yeah. I just, yeah. He's just like floating in a kiddie pool. Bring with, like, me another truckload of editors <laughs> and some of that jambalaya. Yeah, I should have said this off the top of the show, but like. I think like all right. So like, say you're listening to this on like Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Um, if you like this, maybe don't watch the Super Bowl and just listen to this show again. Oh, I like that. Or yeah. watch any given Sunday. Yeah, because I think like if we get ten percent of the ratings of the Super Bowl, yeah, we're gonna have a pretty good uh, you know listenership <laughs> this week. I I think this movie should have taken place over a longer span of time. It's too late in the podcast now to introduce this concept, but I think it, the time span is a little too compressed for everything that takes place. I, I could agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Rob, what is the in the grasp rule? It has something to do with uh, the protection of the receiver. Uh, when the ball is being passed to a receiver, there's a, a line that determines a complete or incomplete pass and then whether or not a person is allowed to make a legal tackle. A defender is allowed to make a legal tackle on that receiver i genuinely um, cannot wrap my head around anybody watching the xfl for details that, like this yeah. do you know what i mean I, like i really thought they were bigger changes yeah. like the I, the field is only 75 yards long and there are mm -hmm. live alligators <laughs> like it's some big reason <laughs> to tune in i don't understand these like the yeah. minutia of it's like a stiff arm in the XFL is like you punch through someone's <laughs> right. face like in Demon Knight. Yes. <laughs> like you got to add in some more pro wrestling rules to make me want to watch it. Mm -hmm. But this kind of this level of detail, I would not be able to tell you the difference. Yeah. No, the XFL was a was a big thunderous disappointment. And they're bringing it back. I, I don't even think it'll I think it'll go another like one season. And yeah. Then, yeah. Like I don't understand like why he. All right, Vince McMahon makes so much money off of wrestling. Like, why would he invest more in an enterprise that's right. just going to lose him money? I don't again? know. I think it's just because he's tired of losing. It's, it's hubris, and he doesn't want to watch people kneel, <sighs> which is just disgusting. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Good note to end the show on. Yeah, it is. I got a Super Bowl of jambalaya for you. <laughs> Happy Super Bowl, everyone! And of course, if you uh, are listening to this on Wednesday, you know that we've already announced. 
F This Movie Fest, Woo. which is taking place yeah. March 3rd, celebrating the films of 1989. Please go to fthismovie.com for more details, but it is uh, our all-day Twitter film, film festival. We watch five movies from 1989 and tweet about them. It's super fun. It's it's our Super Bowl. We're going to march up the field, tweet by tweet, <laughs> inch by inch. We're going to get the laughs we need to get to the end zone of Gotham City. <laughs> It's a game of hashtags. <laughs> game of hashtags. <laughs> I will never tire of your Pacino. Uh, you can find us at fthismovie.com. We're on Twitter at fthismovie. Uh, we're in iTunes and wherever you find podcasts. And you can email us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys both. This was super fun to, yeah. to do the, Thanks, buddy. the mm-hmm. three-man dance. I like it. Oh, yeah. Let's never call it that again. It's okay. What? <laughs> Only call it that. Now that we're in the end zone, what should our touchdown dance be? Name a dance. Any dance. I set you guys up. Name just a single dance. Just don't say shucking and jiving. (laughs) Oya Kapoya Polynesian Macarena. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.